This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Take your Bible, if you would, Hosea chapter 7. Hosea 7. Hosea hangs around back there with Daniel and a few other. And uh, you look there, you'll find him. Hosea 7. On Wednesday night, and I'll tell you why I mentioned this, uh, I'm going to be preaching a message, should the Lord continue to give liberty, called The Clocks Are Ticking. And it's a message that, of course, has the subject matter of the last days and the rapture. It is not technically on the rapture, but about the rapture. And uh, I mention that because sometimes in these days, lost people have an interest in prophetic messages. They know something is astir. And uh, they're concerned, even though if they can't quite identify it. And sometimes if you'll mention that to somebody you work with or somebody uh, in the neighborhood, hey, and we're going to have a message tonight on last days and end times. You might be surprised that they would be interested in that. Where they might not come for other things, they might come if you invited them for that. So give an invitation, and we'll be preaching that message. Lord willing, the clocks are ticking. And the clock is ticking on me now, so let's get to it. Amen? Hosea 7, let's begin our reading in verse 8. Ephraim. He hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face. And they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt and they go to Assyria. When they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. I will bring them down as the fowls of the heaven. I will chastise them as their congregation hath heard. Woe unto them, for they have fled from me. Destruction unto them, because they have transgressed against me. And though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. And they have not cried unto me with their heart. When they howled upon their beds, they assemble themselves for corn and wine, and they rebel against me. Let's pray and ask if God's guidance. Lord, we thank you for this evening and thank you for this great church and these folks that have assembled tonight. Thank you for their faithfulness. And Lord, we confess to you that we're needy. We're here because we need to hear from you, not because we have it all where it's supposed to be, but because we'd like to. We'd like to grow and become. So we ask you to meet with us and speak to us. God, would you reveal our hearts to us tonight. 
Would you reveal truth about us to us tonight? And Father, when we see that truth, we pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage us, that he will help us to become what you want us to be. So we pray for instruction, conviction, ultimately encouragement. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. In the Bible, gray hair, probably more times than not, speaks of wisdom and speaks of old age and the experience and wisdom that comes with old age. Uh, I certainly understand that. I think I'm wiser today than I was a few years ago and certainly a lot of years ago, not because I'm a particularly bright guy, I'm not, but because experience and, and learning through experience brings you some wisdom about life. And I'd make this statement to this crowd tonight, especially young people, there is an inclination in this generation to reject anything because it is old. And I would suggest to you that though that may be pop culture, that is not Bible culture. And the Bible encourages you, as a matter of fact, instructs you to pay attention to what your elders say. Uh, pay attention to what your very elderly pastor says to you and uh, what your parents say to you. Because I want to assure you of this. This may shock you, but they do know more than you. And no one on earth loves you or has your best interest in heart than your pastor, your parents, your grandparents. Don't discard their wisdom. Receive their wisdom. But to be honest with you, what this is referring to tonight when we talk about gray hairs, look at verse 9. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth it not. Gray hairs can also speak of decay. My hair and trust me, I used to have some, and it hasn't always been mixed with gray. As a matter of fact, when I was a younger man, it was jet black. I just had very dark hair, and I had a lot of it, too. And I'll prove it. I've got pictures in case you want to see them. But inevitably, invariably, as we go through life, our physical bodies decay. We don't like to think about that sometimes, and, and we like to think that if we eat the right organic food and take the right supplements and exercise the right amount and all the things that are supposed to prolong life, and some certainly bring benefit physically, they help us in our health, but, but here's the truth, and I'm not trying to be discouraging, I'm just telling you a fundamental truth. These bodies are born to die. And from the day they take their first breath outside their womb, outside the womb, they are on a progression to the end of their life, and we started as dust, and we are going to return to dust. And no matter what I try to do to this body, it is, unless Jesus comes first, and it is changed, and I'm taken up, this body is going to die. It's going to get old. It's going to get decayed. It's going to die. Are you encouraged yet? <laughs> now that is absolutely true about physical life. 
That does not have to be true about spiritual life. I said to you this morning, I got saved February of 1975. And I'm going to be honest with you, when I got saved, I, I truly, I'm not trying to be silly, I just was a changed man. And God got a hold of my heart, and my life was different that afternoon. My life was different the next day, and, and my life has just been different by the grace of God. And I thank God for that. And I was on fire for God. I worked in a roofing factory, driving a forklift. I can remember going to work just days or weeks after I was saved and saying, guys, you're not going to believe this, but God says in his word, John 3, 16, and they'd look at me like I was an idiot. But it was new to me and it was exciting to me. They had heard it since they were little kids and, and so on and so on. But my point is this, that I was on fire for God. Well, now I've been saved since 1975, and I've gotten a whole lot wiser. And to be honest with you, I'm not on fire like I used to be. Hey, dude, that ain't wisdom. That's called backsliding. When maturing in the Lord makes us cold to the things of God, when growing in the Lord makes us less than on fire for God, that is not maturity. That's not growing in the Lord. That's growing old and cold. And you and I, when we sense that in our lives, that is a gray hair in our spiritual life, and we ought to be very careful to pluck that gray hair out of our spiritual head and maintain our vitality for God. I do not want to be one of those believers who used to. Someone said to me the other day, well, you're retired from the pastorate now. Do you just take it easy? And uh, I won't act like my life has not changed. It has. And uh, my schedule in some ways is not as rigorous. I don't have an office with people waiting outside to talk to me. But I'm telling you, I preach now more than I used to preach. And I'm trying to do as much or more because I don't want my testimony to be, remember Pastor Edwards? He used to. Yes, our lives will change. Yes, our ministries will change. But our passion for God does not have to flag in any season of our life. I may not be able to do at 70 what I did at 30, but there ought to be the same heart for God in beating in my chest now, the same passion to be used of God, the same passion to make a difference for God in my life now as there was then those first days when I got saved. And here's all I'm saying. That doesn't happen unless it happens intentionally. The natural progression is for us to grow tired. The natural progression is for us to grow cold unless we intentionally stay hot. Hosea comes to Israel and he notices some things about him. And he says, you know, you're not where you used to be, Israel. And here's the truth. There's some gray hairs that have shown up on your walk with God and you don't even know they're there. You haven't even recognized they're there. And he goes on and he mentions four things I want to share with you tonight. 
four gray hairs, if you will, that can come into a believer's life And unless he shakes himself, and unless God's Holy Spirit reveals it, it can consume us, and we don't even know we've moved. Here they are. Notice with me, first of all, the gray hair of a false testimony. The gray hair of a false testimony. Look at verse 8. Ephraim... He hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. That name Ephraim is what was often used to refer to the ten tribes, the northern kingdom, whose capital was at Samaria. And Hosea, looking at that nation, says of them, hey, I know you may not know it, but you are a cake not turned. What's that mean? Well, in these days, uh, and some of you probably know more about this than I do, when bread was baked, it wasn't baked in a convection oven, wasn't baked in a new modern oven that we have. It was cooked either over an open fire, or if you were a well-to-do person, you might have a brick oven with rocks, and you would place uh, that, that loaf in there. But whether it was over an open fire or whether it was in a brick oven or kiln, you had to stay there and turn that bread and turn that bread. There was no timer that you set and you came back and the oven had done its work and there it was, it was beautifully done. If you left that cake and didn't pay attention to that cake, something really bad would happen. And what would happen is if it wasn't turned, the bottom, the part that was sitting closest to the fire would become very well done, we call it burned, and it would burn while the top didn't cook hardly at all and while the middle wasn't cooked very well at all. And so when you would come to that cake, you would look and you'd say, well, that that has the appearance on one side that it is done. Now, if I was the baker, I might sell it bottom up, you know, and somebody might look at that and say, oh, look at that beautiful brown, a little bit done, but looks great. And you would slice into it and would be mush. And let me tell you what Hosea's point was. Israel, you want to appear to be something you are not. You want to present something on the outside that is not true of you on the inside. And God says through Hosea, Israel, you are a cake not turned. You have come to the place in your life where you are willing to present yourself as something you are not. I don't have time for a long history lesson, but Jeroboam, the great king of Israel, the northern kingdom, had known that if his people returned down to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, their loyalties would never really be his. And so he came to them and he said, here, I got a plan. Here's my plan. I'm going to build two temples just like the one in Jerusalem. Same pattern, not as big. I'm going to build one in Dan and one in Bethel. And and instead of making that long journey to Jerusalem, you can go in and you can worship like you used to worship. You can meet Jehovah in the temple. 
You can take your sacrifice to the temple. I'll hire priests of the lower sort and we'll put them there and they'll do all the things that the priest did and you can worship like you always did before. Hey, the only thing was that when you walked into those temple, there was a golden calf sitting in both of them. And though they claimed to be worshiping Jehovah, they weren't worshiping Jehovah at all. They might have been using the name. They might have been using some of the same procedures, but God was nowhere to be found in that place. God says through Hosea, do they think I don't see that? Do they think that I don't see past the facade and into the truth of who they are? My friend, I've lived long enough to know something and I'm going to be incredibly transparent and hope that you will be too. Sometimes we love, no, all the time we love to be well thought of. We like people to think that we have it together. We like people to think that we walk closely with God. But you know what we know about ourselves is sometimes we're not as close as we present ourselves. Sometimes we're going through the motions. Sometimes we're doing some things on the outside that are not really squared away with what we are on the inside. When I pastored Heritage, my office was on the second floor and there was a big, beautiful window that looked out on a large part of the parking lot. And I love to watch people coming to church. I'd watch, you know, a van come in with kids and a husband and a wife and he would walk off carrying his Bible and she'd have four of those 80-pound baby carriers and diaper bags and all that and I'd get after the husband later. But, but I watched one guy for a, maybe six to eight months and he would pull in and his family would get off and they would come in the doors that were very convenient and close and they would then go to their classes. And I noticed him, he would never come in that door. He would go all the way around our parking lot, which is a long walk, down and around and he would come in the back doors. And I thought, why does that guy do that? Why does he go all the way around? Why does he let his family come in there, park where he does? Why, why does he do that? One day I was dumb enough to ask him. I said, why do you do that? And he said, because so-and-so is the greeter at that door and I can't stand him. And when he sang, I love Jesus, he sang it well. When he greeted, he had a smile on his face, he shook hands, and you would think as you saw him as he carried his Bible and had his family there and they were dressed right and, and they sat right and did right, you would think this guy is squared away but he was hiding something in his heart that was not right. I've seen people, I open my Bible and begin to preach from a text and I'll hear amen, amen, amen. I'll hear somebody and they'll say amen and, and I'll, I'll hear that voice and I'll know that voice or one of those voices and I'll say to myself, but I know you don't do this. But you're saying amen to what I'm preaching. And folks, I can't name every way that we can be false, every way that we let something settle in us. Now listen, every one of us has days and ways that we can be false. We can put on a front. They're called bad days. It's when we let them settle in and we accept them 
and we have no intention of dealing with them, that it becomes offensive to God. And that false testimony, that willingness to be false, that willingness to look different on the outside than what we really are on the inside is not an innocent thing. It's a dangerous thing. Our church had a men's prayer meeting at 7.30 on Saturday morning. We did it. I don't think anybody else has to do it. But every Saturday morning, we would meet. We'd bring our boys. Our boys, we'd, I wanted them to learn how to pray. They'd pray with us and pray with other men. Then they'd play. We'd have coffee and donuts, and we'd go visiting or something like that. And uh, to, to just reward my boys and encourage my boys, there was a 7-Eleven on our way between our house and church. And right next to that 7-Eleven was one of the grandest oak trees I've ever seen in my life. Just one of those beautifully large, symmetrical oak trees where it was just perfectly shaped. And you just drove past it and said, man, what an oak tree. And I can remember at times we'd pull in there and I'd get a cup of coffee and my boys would get one of those absolutely sinful sugary drinks that my wife would kill me if she knew that they had gotten that morning. And we'd come out of 7-Eleven and we'd walk over for just a minute, just stand there for a moment. I'd say, guys... That is exactly the kind of man I want to be. I want to be that kind of man that is strong for your mom and your sister, and I want to be strong for you, and, and I just want to provide protection, and that's the kind of man I want to be like that tree. And guys, that's the kind of man I want you to be. I want you to grow up strong. I want you to grow up with a desire to be that for your family. And we'd slurp our slurpees, and then we'd leave. I'll never forget coming one day after a storm had hit on a Saturday night. And I turned that corner and saw that tree. I called my assistant and said, I won't be there on time. You run prayer meeting. I got to do something with my boys. And we pulled into that 7-Eleven, no Slurpee, no coffee. And I walked them over to that tree. Because that night, the wind had blown that tree over and it was rotten to the core. It had an absolutely great look on the outside. But when that tree cracked, you could see that there was nothing of strength on the inside. That it was all just appearance on the outside. And I said, boys, that's the kind of tree your dad never wants to be. That's the kind of man I never want to be. And I don't want you to be that kind of man. I want you to be real. And what you say you are on the outside, be it on the inside. I want to tell you, we excuse ourselves. We say we walk with God when we don't walk with God like we used to. We say we do these things. We say we're where we should be when in truth we know there are things that we have let lodge in our heart and we want people to think of us one way. But we know in our hearts it is not what it ought to be. And God says that's a gray hair that needs to be plucked out of your life. Hey, it doesn't mean that you have to walk a perfect life. You can't and I can't. But it means that we will not accept that as the normal condition for our lives to be false. Here's number two. I think these build on each other. I want you to notice verse 9, what I call the gray hair of a fruitless life. 
It says in verse 9, strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. What an interesting and an arresting statement verse 9 is when it says, strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Not. Hosea sees the spiritual decline of Israel and in essence is saying what you once were able to do, you no longer do. Let me share a consistent theme in the word of God with you. A consistent theme is this, that God's power is rarely lost in an obvious and violent way, but more often in a slower and subtle way process of decay. Samson stood up one day to throw off his attackers, but he didn't know that the power of the Holy Spirit had departed him. Why, he had gone through all those days and he had stood up and been able to do it all those times, but he didn't know the Spirit had departed. He didn't know that the power was gone. I'm not suggesting to you that the power of the Holy Spirit or the presence of the Holy Spirit will depart from us, but I am suggesting to you that we can possess the Spirit without the power of the Spirit. I would suggest to you that King Saul remained as king long after God removed his hand from him. Long after he had anointed a little boy king, Saul still wore the robes, still wore the crown, still did all the kingly duties. Hey, I would remind you, as I mentioned this morning, that David continued as a king and, and went to the temple and did all that he did and sang his psalms and probably wrote some, definitely wrote some. And he did it for a whole year after his sin with Bathsheba and he went through the motions and everybody oohed and awed, the sweet singer of Israel, oh, the man after God's own heart, oh, the king who has never lost a battle. And for a full year he would walk publicly to the temple or tabernacle. He would pray, he, he would work, he would pass judgment, and for a full year, he had the appearance that he was what he was a year ago, but he was rotten inside. Rotten inside. All I'm saying to you is don't tell me, well, I have a Sunday school class. Anybody can go through the motions. I've been preaching a long time. I know how to get three points in a poem together, and I know how to do this. None of that indicates fruitfulness. None of that indicates a life right with God. And I'm not suggesting to you that one day you're running your bus route or one day you're teaching your Sunday school class or one day you're leading your family and then just all of a sudden you fall apart violently because God takes his spirit away. That's not how it happens. We go through the motions. We keep doing what we used to do, just not with the same influence, not with the same power, not with the same result, because we are becoming fruitless. Ichabod was written over the temple, but services went right on. The truth is that the loss of God's power has to be cited not in big things, but in little things. Let me mention two. 
What are the indications of coming fruitlessness? A lack or a lessening appetite for what is good. A lack or a lessening appetite for what is good in frequency and unreality of study and prayer. Can I ask you a question? When is the last time you had one of those unbelievable, earth-shattering times of reading God's Word early in the morning? Remember when God used to show you things and you would just stand amazed that God said that in His Word and revealed that to you? When is the last time that you prayed a specific prayer? Not God bless the missionaries, not God bless the preacher. When is the last time you asked for God something for, for asked God for something specific and God absolutely answered that prayer? No question. Had to be God answered that prayer. When's the last time? We say, I've had that preacher, and I've had those times in his word, and I've had those times with God. Yeah, but have you had them this week? And if not, is that an indication of a growing cold? How about this? You begin to neglect the services at church or endure them. Used to be you loved them. Hey, I think when COVID is over, a whole lot of people are going to be faced with the reality of their love for assembling with the believers. I remember going to church and just sitting there and hating it. And then I got saved, and I can remember going there and loving it. The hymns made sense to me. I wanted to hear what the preacher said. I wanted to learn from the Word. And, and now I love to hear me preach. <laughs> How about you? You timed the preacher now? You roll over in your head, man, I've heard that before. Wish he'd get off that. Oh, man, I just want to get this done. <coughs> Services forsaken. Used to go soul winning. I used to give. I used to sing. It's amazing to me how many churches I go to and they have a wonderful song service and I look around and there are people who never even pick up a hymnal. And if the words are on the screen, they never bother themselves to sing a word of it. And I would suggest to you, that's not maturity. Well, I've been singing those for 40 years and I know the words and, you know, no, I don't know. Is there a season of life where we no longer praise the God who saved us? Is there a season of life where we've learned so much and we know so much that we no longer have to hunger for his word in, in church or hunger for his word in personal study? Is there a season of life where we have prayed so long and prayed so hard that every prayer we have is answered? Or does every day bring a new need for prayer? Does every circumstance bring a new need for prayer? Hey, there's never a day I'm not on my knees begging God, would you work in my grandchildren? I hope someday I'm praying, will you work in my greats? At what season of life do we put God away and say, I don't need that anymore. I'm just going to go through the motions. I don't need to study. I don't need to pray. I don't need to give. I don't need to sing. That is not maturity. That's coldness. 
Secondly, I'd say we grow to where we see there's a lack of sensitivity to that which is wrong. You become content with a lower standard of Christian living. Well, I can remember days, preacher, when uh, that would come on the TV and I'd grab that remote and cut that show off right there. Ah, you know, the kids are grown now. And I was worried as I used to be. Now I, I kind of chuckle at that couple who's living together out of wedlock. Come on, preacher, lighten up. Come on, preacher, bring it up into the 2020s. I mean, after all, come on. I mean, you know, that homosexual couple in the sitcom, they're kind of funny. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. It's not God has changed his idea of what is right or wrong. Our, our sensitivity level has changed. And what we used to refuse to allow into our minds through the eye gate, we now allow in. What we used to refuse to allow through the ear gate, we now allow in. And it's not a sign of our maturity, it's a sign of our coming fruitlessness. How about you become flippant about faithfulness and sin? I don't think you have to be down there for every time the church is open. Really, you used to. You become indifferent to conviction. And I simply ask you, where are you on that scale? Ask yourself, allow God to deal with us. I, I don't want to be one of those folks who grows old and has no passion for God. I want to keep my passion for God. I don't want to be one of those folks who used to bear fruit for the Lord. I want to be one of those who bears much fruit for the Lord at the season of life I'm in. And, and if he puts me in a nursing home and all I can do is witness to people that walk by my door, I'm going to be that cranky old guy that cries out, Hey, come in here! Where are you? Ah, preacher, I don't do what I used to, but you know, no, I don't know. I'm saying that there's no season of our lives where it's okay to be fruitless in our walk with God. And we allow ourselves to get there. We think fruitfulness are those seasons when we raise our children and God bless it, we should be fruitful then. We think that we should demand fruitfulness of teenagers and demand fruitfulness of the preacher and the staff. Hey, we're believers and all of us should be concerned. Am I fruitful for God? And if not, what's leaking out? Here's number three. The gray hair of callousness. Look at verse 10. And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. The pride of Israel. Did you know that pride will send more people to hell than any single thing in the world? And did you know that pride will ruin the fruitful lives of more Christians than anything I know? being too proud to say to ourselves, that's me. That's me. Because after all, I don't want them to see me and think, he's not, I, I don't want them to think of me less than, hey, what is God thinking of you? What does God see in us? 
and we are so filled with pride that we are developing churches of empty altars and dry eyes and dead hearts because we want to be seen as something we're not and we don't want to admit that we're not where we used to be but bless God I'm not going down there because I'm better than so-and-so, and I do more than so-and-so, and I'm not like so-and-so. Hey, what does God say about your life? We have heard the messages. We know the truth. We've heard it so many times, and we've said no to it, and no to it, and no to it. Hey, we used to say yes to it. We used to go down there, but we've matured. We don't need the altar anymore. Who says so? Who is that? We don't need the altar anymore. We don't need invitations anymore because preacher, we don't need to respond. Now here's the real answer because we think so much of ourselves, we don't want them to see us come down and deal with something that's in our heart. Pride. Pride. And God looks at that he says, I've called out to you. I've tried to get a hold of your heart and cause you to see it because I don't want you to be fruitless in your life and I don't want you to have an old calloused heart that can't hear preaching and be moved by preaching. Forget about what somebody else sees and says and be concerned about what I'm seeing and saying to you. I'm not trying to get a big altar call and I don't think I'm the best preacher and I know I'm not the best invitation giver. I'm just saying this. If God Almighty loves us enough that His Holy Spirit comes to a room like this and walks up and down these aisles and stops at my seat and says, your Bible study is not what it needs to be. Your prayer life is not what it needs to be. You're not doing what you used to do. You laughed at that sitcom that dishonored what I call abomination in, the, in my word. You are allowing this to sit in your heart and you know you want to be seen as one thing, but you know you're harboring that in your heart. If the Holy Spirit is loving us enough to walk these aisles and stop at my seat and say that to me, there is but one response that ought to come from my life. Yes, sir, God, I need to get it right. And when we say no, and when we say I don't want to be seen, and when we say I want to be well thought of, and we don't move, and we don't change, Callous just builds and builds and builds until we can sit in a service and something that God used to break our heart with doesn't even get our attention. And you can call that maturity if you want. I call it a cold, dead, fruitless, false heart. Here's number four. If we maintain that false testimony and if we don't get things right and we're growing fruitless over time and if we've gotten that calloused heart, you know what we become in the end? We become silly. Silly. Look at verse 11. 
Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. I know I've been long, and I'll try to get this done very quickly, but I want you to get the picture here. God says, and, and excuse my language, parents, but what really God is saying to Israel, you guys are just stupid. You're just stupid. Because you know you're not where you need to be, and you think the answer is to call out to Egypt. Hey, Egypt, we need help. We're in trouble, and we don't want to call out to our God. We want to call out to Egypt. We want to call out to Assyria. These are nations that hate Israel. They want to destroy Israel, but it occurs to Israel, let's call out to Egypt. Let's go find the answer in the world. I don't want to get right with God. I don't want to do what I used to do with God. I don't want to walk with God like I used to. I want a lighter life, an easier life. I want a more up-to-date life. I'm going to go see what the world offers. So we come up with, well, what we need is a new Bible. That's what we need. If we could get rid of this King James, we'd be much better off. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't even possess the word. I know what we need. We need a new music. No, you don't. We don't need a new music that is of the world. I know what we need. We need a new preacher. All right, maybe that one, but... (laughs) We need a new church. I need a new spouse. I need a new look. You see what I'm saying by silly? We start looking for the answer where it is not and never has been. You know what we need? A revival of the old paths. We need to get right with God. Instead of always thinking the problem lies in someone else or something else, and if we could change that something, then it would all be right within us. No, the problem lies within us. And there's only one way it's going to get right, and that is for us to break the pride and to say, God, you're absolutely right in your analysis of me. I am not where I used to be. Nobody knows it. Because, God, I have built a great facade, and I look good and brown and done on the outside. But I'm not what I used to be on the inside. And, God, here's the truth. I feel it in my life. I feel fruitlessness slipping out of my life. I don't do what I used to do. I can't get done what I used to do. I don't see answers of prayer. I don't get from the Word what I used to get. I kind of endure church. I just know it's slipping, and I know I'm involved in things that I would have never been involved in before. God, I know I'm coming to fruitlessness. And, God, here's the truth. I just want this loudmouth, old, bald head man to get done. Because I don't like preaching like this. I thought he was kind of cute this morning when he talked about faithfulness. But I don't like this lecture on fruitlessness and being false. Because I don't like saying that about myself. But here's what I'm telling you. The answer is not something new. The answer is to get back to what we know is true. Look what God says in verse 14. 
and they have not cried unto me with their heart. When they howled upon their beds, they assemble themselves for corn and wine, and they rebel against me. You know what the answer to walking with God is? Being honest with him and crying out from our heart. God, you're right. And I don't want to continue down the path I'm on. I don't want to become gray-headed spiritually. I don't want to be one of those people who used to but doesn't anymore. I don't want to be one of those passionless people. I don't care. I'm not saying old people. I'm saying you can become fruitless and false and silly at any season of life. I'm saying it's time to listen to the Spirit of God and say, God, I want you to deal with me where I am now. And I want to get restored to where I am really striving to be what I present myself to be. And God, where I have a sense of your presence and, and your word is alive and my ministry matters and, and my life is growing and becoming. And, and God, I don't want a prideful, hard heart. I want to feel conviction. I want to sense your leading. I want to be directed by you. And I, I want to be back where I was. And so, God, I'm not going to run to some new thing or place. I'm coming to you, and I'm confessing to you the truth. I'm not where I was, but I want to get there. Will you help me? Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.